0: Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. I'm excited to have Jess Kylene on the phone. Um, Jess is in Durango, Colorado, and she and her husband, Ed, own Grassburger, which has a location in Durango, and then a new one in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, she's a very busy lady, and it was very kind of her to take the time to, to do this today. So, Jess,
1: thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk to you because um, I, uh, I mean, just personally started um you know kind of getting into more focus that is on nutrition and diet a few years ago. We've got young kids and um in my early forties and started learning more and more about, you know, eating um hopefully a healthier diet. And grass fed beef was something that came up and I kinda got into that and certainly have been enjoying eating that for a few years now. Uh but so you but you have a a, a business that, that kind of is centered around that. So Tell me the story of uh, grass-fed um, or grass burger, and you know what kind of what prompted you and Ed to to get started in this business, and and um, and just sort of the background story.
1: Well, it actually has everything to do with what you already mentioned with family. We have two two of our three boys have food allergies, like severe food allergies. And so going out to eat just became this enormous challenge for us. And um that, so I mean whether we were traveling or even in our hometown we kind of had our designated places and safety things. But they always it always seemed to come down to burgers for them because the boys that was a safe food for the most part and the boys loved hamburgers. So um I started really looking at diet and nutrition and the differences in burgers and meats and what have you and grass-fed beef kept coming up for me not just grass-fed beef actually but just grass grass grass-fed chicken cage-free eggs things things that are raised in a different way that changes the composition of the meat and the food and which is just so much better for you know for human beings so that's how we started eating at home. We all we went exclusively to grass fed beef, and we actually started having burger parties at our house because people were like, "Boy, these this meat is so delicious." And um, and then that evolved to you know, if we're going to go out for a burger, wouldn't it be great if we could find a grass fed burger? And once we started looking, we just we. It was very difficult to find. Or if we found it, it was like $20 for the burger, Mm. which isn't a sustainable price model for us to go out to eat. And we're a family of five. So um, literally one day Ed and I sat down and we wrote the entire manifesto for Grass Burger, like what we would want it to look like, how it could be allergy friendly, how it could be like the most nutrition for the least amount of money, trying to keep it really pocketbook friendly. And it fell right into that fast, casual restaurant model that's become more and more popular because of the pricing and because of kind of the simplicity of where we were trying to keep it. Did I answer Wait, your so question? Or
0: it, No, it does, and, and it raises a few more. I mean, what, were you and Ed, had you been in the restaurant business prior to this?
1: But, Absolutely not. So I actually wanted to have a ranch and raise grass-fed beef. But Ed grew up on a farm, and he was vehemently opposed. He said, I'm not spending my weekends on it, you know, working. So, of course, now here we opened a restaurant, and that's all we do on the weekends is work. So <laughs> I don't know if we if we succeeded in that arena. Um, but I think we did succeed in creating this burger model, which is, you know, it's really, it is a healthier, more sustainable and price conscious model. I mean, and if you, I think you know more about grass fed beef than most will. But if if you take a sampling of grass fed versus grain fed, the scientific difference between them is astounding. Like the levels of of omegas, threes and sixes, the healthy fats are much higher in the grass fed and the levels of CLAs, which are... Mm. It's a group of amino acids, which are very good for our body, and it's lower in fat, lower in calorie, and your body just seems, I've seen people come in, I've seen actually a lot of pregnant women come in, and they have one grass-fed beef burger, and they are back, like they just crave it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the health differences are, are significant, so talk a little bit more about that, About because so... You know for folks that really have not thought about this before, which is a lot of folks, and there's nothing wrong with that I mean you know we've been eating burgers for forever, and I had never thought about it but you know, other than grass fed of course then the the alternative the the typical burger you'd eat would be corn fed beef, right
1: corn fed yes, and um, and that has become in the in the United States at least it ha- that has become uh a relatively common staple to help fatten up beef and get them ready for slaughter sooner. Um so it's kind of become part of that whole economic model for the beef industry. So moving so for ranchers that have switched over to 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 grass fed, it requires a longer kind of incubation period. So their model, their business model shifts. So um it's a significant thing from a rancher's perspective to make that change. you, you get
0: less uh you get less meat Per cow, when when you're feeding grass, right? Because I mean, like you said, the, okay. the cow, corn, the corn fattens them up, um,
1: right? You don't you get, get you less get more meat, of, you or just
0: more cuts or less fatty. It
1: changes. Yeah. It changes the amount of time they're on pasture.
0: Okay.
1: So, um, and actually, the the ranch that we use, Rain Crow Ranch, they're out of Missouri, and they're they're a wonderful example of a large. Um, I mean, they're. They're 4,000 acres, 1,900 heads of cattle, and they actually are a feeder system as well for a lot of smaller ranches outside their area. They converted to exclusively grass-fed primarily because Patricia, um, Patricia, Patricia and Mark run it, but Patricia is a large animal vet, and she started seeing a lot of health issues in the cows and the steers that she was treating, and she was able to connect that directly to what they were eating. Once they switched all their animals over to grass fed exclusively, those issues just went away.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's amazing. So, well, it, because that's what they're meant to eat is grass.
1: That's what they're meant to eat, exactly. And so that when they're on when they're on things that their bodies aren't designed to eat, they end up with digestive issues and infections and um, bacterial issues, I mean, it opens them, it makes them much more susceptible. So it creates, so on our end as the consumer, when we're eating grass fed, right, it's just a cleaner, um, more digestible meat for us as well. And you don't have all that heavy impact of antibiotics and hormones that come with it.
0: One of the things I, I remember reading about, I'm curious. Um, you'll know a lot more about this, but how did, is there a technical definition for grass-fed? And I asked that question because, as I dove into this topic, I learned that you could call beef grass-fed if it was fed grass for a certain percentage of its life, but then you could you would have beef that was as it was called, grass-fed corn finished, where maybe the last couple of months they fill them up with corn. Yeah, it, it,
1: yeah it, I, I see that yeah. too. I see that too. In that, So there's a lot of ways you can raise your cattle, right? You can, which is what you're seeing in the designations. We are committed to 100% grass-fed. So yeah. the research that I've done shows that, like, even if so, if you have a, Cattle that's grass fed. If you take them off of it for a period of time, each day that you take them off and put them on corn or put them in a feedlot or wherever they're, whatever that other option is, the benefits of grass fed decrease by the day that they are off of the grass. So I, we've made a commitment to keep our beef supply always absolutely 100 percent grass fed. And the
0: benefits and- being the the omega threes reduce, the conjugated linoleic acids reduce, all the all the things that are the best part of grass fed beef reduce significantly uh, over a period of you know several weeks or a month or, two, or I think it was two months where it would almost return back to you know, yeah uh, that's having exactly been it corn fed it you all can life, chart it it's yeah. really
1: amazing I mean I when I read this stuff and look at the and look at the research that's been done, I'm just blown away. I mean they really can document um what happens compositionally with the nutrition of the meat. So So yeah. when did
0: you start Grassburger?
1: Two years ago, July third, the Durango store opened. So, so we just had a two ago. year anniversary. Yeah.
0: Well congratulations. And then you but you just opened your second one already in, in, in another and, state.
1: <laughs> yeah. We opened a second one in Albuquerque, and um, in the Northeast Heights area. And it's a beautiful store. It's so fun having a restaurant that's brand new; like everything's still shiny and clean. And <laughs> like I'm really enjoying that.
0: Well, this uh, so I have a uh, have a lot of questions around this. What when you how long was the process between when you decided you were going to do this and when you opened your doors 2 years ago.
1: It, it decided on expanding the brand.
0: No, for, when you first decided to go with the restaurant. How mm-hmm. long did you plan before you opened your first location?
1: Uh about it it took us about a year, uh, a year a year before we with writing the business plan to and then about 6 months later we actually had gotten our financing and plans and so in place so that was about a year in the works um albuquerque was much faster that was super speed because we i'm we already we we'd already done the hard lift right
0: it's that's still yeah but that's still that's that's a quick process getting to that's um especially with no experience in the business. Has that, has that been beneficial? <laughs> have there been things that have helped you because you didn't have prior experience in the business? Well, tell oh, me about the know. process of planning for this thing.
1: Probably beneficial and and detrimental, all wrapped up in one pretty package. That um our, you know ignorance is bliss, right? The I I think that having a fresh perspective has been great. But boy, our learning curve was so big, just in terms of equipment and ordering and inventory and like the actual mechanicals of running of running a business. And we, initially, we hired on a restaurant consultant. His name was Jonathan Byers, and he's in Durango. And he had opened up um, a couple other restaurants here in Durango. So he was really helpful. He because we didn't know anything about. The, you know, what equipment and how to um, make an ordering list and all of those things. But we, Ed and I quickly, within six months, we had figured out all that stuff, like the mechanicals behind it. And we hired good people. That makes all the difference in the world. We have great, you know, a great team and staff and managers, and we learn from them. We're like vampires, we suck the juice, the good ideas, and get. Every day we're learning and pivoting if we need to.
0: So, how did you get good people? Is a new restaurant owners with no experience, nobody that you maybe you know, not an extensive network of contacts in the industry. How did you find good people to work for you?
1: Luck and determination and advertising and um, uh, you know I don't know really outside of outside of that. We've certainly had our share of mistakes in terms of hiring and I mean, you know the industry, the restaurant industry is volatile and hard for um employees and employers. I mean you have a lot of turnover and then um you also have your I mean and everything in between. And in, in Durango is challenging because we have a lot of Uh, a lot of the staff that works in the restaurants here are in college. And so looking for part-time work, and while they're motivated because they want to pay their rent, they also all have break at the same time. They tend to go away for the summer. And so you have these distinctive hiring um, times. So, or times that you're like, you go from 100% coverage of your shifts to all of a sudden you like 25% coverage and nobody's available. So, that's fun.
0: Well, so now you – how long were you open when you decided to open one in Albuquerque?
1: About six months. Actually, Ed was talking about it very, very quickly. Like Ed, Ed's background is commercial development. And so really when we were writing the business plan for – Grassburger. We in in our minds we had a model that would be replicable. Um and we tried to create systems that that would be able to be reproduced easily. So that was always in our mind, like creating creating more than one. We consider Durango our flagship, but um an Albuquerque certainly is a foray into what that looks like on a larger scale. And it, it's been very interesting having this sister store because all of our systems and everything that we're trying to match to each other, I, I mean, its it showed us where we have work to do and where we succeeded, like in very, very short order.
0: What is an example of, of something where you realize you have work to do?
1: Um, our employee training program. So we had, we were, we were still really evolving that in Durango when we opened up Albuquerque and then all, and then suddenly Albuquerque was ramping and we had two, you know, we have two different managers. We have three different managers. Actually we have two in Durango and one in, um, one in, Albuquerque and they it it just turns out they had really different styles with how they worked with employees so now we're sort of piloting and trying to create this and trying to finalize this training system in Durango and then in the meantime the Albuquerque store staff is kind of getting is getting trained in a different way out of necessity so we had to pull that back quickly finalize our process in Durango and now we're trying to implement that in in Albuquerque, so I'm saying this in like four sentences, right? Or, but it's actually been months of, of observations and trying to figure it out, and you know, what meetings, and so that's one of How example.
0: far? How far is Albuquerque from Durango?
1: Three and a half hours.
0: Okay. And why did you choose Albuquerque? Out of curiosity, is that the, you had some? family or experience there
1: no um we it, part of it is simply uh drive time i mean it's really a close it's very close i mean compared to a denver or colorado springs or some of the other larger metropolis areas it's it's close three and a half hours you can do it in a day i mean you can be back and forth in a day if you have to yeah. um but we we really like Albuquerque more than anything, and it has a burgeoning food-to-table, um, I'm sorry, farm-to-table, we call it farm-to-families movement, and a really, this, there's some interesting demographics in terms of people's awareness of food and what they're eating, and I was really intrigued by kind of being at the forefront of that. Where some of these other cities are, that is so established, We'd, you know, our concept is really old news.
0: So let's talk more about then the, the food part because it's not just the grass-fed beef, right? You're getting no. – I mean, you're sourcing um, – t- tell me about that.
1: Well, so the, there's the grass-fed beef piece. Um, and then we also do – our menu has evolved. It, it, it was very, very simple to begin with. Um, but we've just added um Applegate chicken hot dogs, which are all natural, no nitrates, Mm. fillers. We just added taco plates. But we also do a vegan black bean quinoa burger, which we make in-house. And we make all of our salad dressings, like we make a tahini and a um, lemon balsamic. And we make those all from scratch. Our chipotle mayo we make from scratch. And the reason we do that is because then we can make something that has no corn syrup, no fillers, you know, it's all 100% olive oil and good mustard and, I mean, the apple cider vinegar, like just really high quality ingredients. The way, it's the dressing I would make at home. Right. a larger scale. And with our, um, so we do hand cut french fries and sweet potato fries and we keep our fryers dedicated to those items. We don't allow staff or any other food items because we're trying to keep them gluten-free and also make sure that they're not contaminated with any dairy products or any nut products or, you know, we're we're avoiding cross-contamination wherever we can to keep it simple for people who have allergies. It's maddening or it's it's not maddening, but it's difficult to go into a restaurant With a food allergy, and try and sort through the menu and the back of house ingredients and figure out what's safe and what isn't. And the same is true if you are avoiding gluten, or um, you know, eat paleo or whatever you may have in terms of dietary restrictions. So our menu is designed to make that process simple for users. Mm. We do cage free eggs. Um, our greens we source from local farmers. Like we get as many parts of our greens, or of our salad, from local producers as we can. We can't do that all year. You know, when we, in our climate, when we start to get into winter, I have to buy organic um, produce through our vendors. But as long as there's someone growing in the area, we're interested in supporting them. So we have them bring their, we kind of have like a backdoor farmer's market going on. Um, Was that a
0: difficult part of the process to find vendors and, and processes to you know use clean local produce, et cetera?
1: Yes. Well, y- yes and no. It's difficult from a cost standpoint. I mean, anybody who's bought who has purchased vegetables from the grocery store versus the farmer's market, I mean, it's much, you, you pay more. And, yes, you are supporting those farmers in that, that local piece, and that's so important, but there is that step up in cost. And when you are building a restaurant model, cost, you know, cost is a huge part of it, whatever your margins are. So the way we have worked it out with our salad piece is that, we we blend our margin. Because we know we can't that organic produce if locally isn't available all year round. We do a blended back margin in our in our books where we're, you know, however months of the year we're buying from vendors and that's a significant decrease in cost and then that enables us to do to pay more in the seasons that it's available. So, does that make sense? Like that? Yeah,
0: yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Um, now, do, would, do you? Um, I guess in your in your markets, is is, there, is your consumer base educated about this, or do you have to do a lot of education?
1: You, yes and no. I, it depends. Like Durango is a surprisingly educated town in terms of food, and we have—I mean, this is a—it's a foodie town. We have more restaurants per capita here than San Francisco. It's crazy. But Albuquerque is a much bigger melting pot. So one of the issues that came up in Albuquerque is the value of our of our pricing, because people, you know, are coming in and they're used to going to—I I don't know—like um, Freddy's is a local. Um, burger shake place there and and it's really a step above mcdonald's in terms of pricing You get this massive amount of meat and of course it's you know and it's a good healthy burger and fries and it's half the cost of what ours is so people who don't know or have never heard of grass-fed beef are going well why am i paying this for this when i can go over here and get that and so we're really having to address that educational piece in that market more so than, than here, but it's a good, it's a good thing. I'm happy to do it. The other thing that has come up for us is our, the size of our patty, because we serve a four ounce patty. And so we've gotten pushback from some of the public saying, well, this is small, but for us, that's part of our ethos, like a, 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 According to the USDA, like four ounces, four to nine ounces of meat is what you should, or a protein, is what a, a person should be eating in a day. So four ounces is um, is a healthy and appropriate portion. We offer we offer singles and we offer doubles if people would like that, great, no problem. But um, you know, we're we're really trying to wrap in this idea of okay this is this is a good amount of meat this is an appropriate and and healthy and satisfying amount of meat so um that's been that's been interesting
0: well it's it's a it's just a matter of perspective i guess when you're used to seeing much larger portion sizes um that can that can be a challenge i'm sure but um you know what y'all are doing is it's just so admirable and I'm 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 thankful to hear that. I wish there was there were more places like um Grasberg, which leads me to that next question. And what what's the future holding?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I'm absolutely not sure. We're we're still working on stabilizing Albuquerque and um uh, we really are intrigued by that market and we'll see we'll see what happens. So um we're at that hard we're kind of at that hard stage right now where we we've got that one up and going. And like I was telling you, we're kind of looking at the warts in our system. And so if you were to talk to Ed, he would say, all right, I'm going to, let's start looking around and finding our next spot. And then I'm the one that's going, hold on, hold on. We have that dynamic, you know, That it's, I think it's good for the business, but right now it's keeping that particular question. Just that a big, a big question.
0: What's been what's been the most satisfying part of, of Grassburger?
1: Burger? You know, well, on a personal note, I love feeding people. Like I, I love making, I love cooking and making meals, and so the best part for me is being out on the floor of the restaurants and and talking to people. And I mean, we, we get a lot of feedback about the taste of the meat and how. I mean, it really is delicious. We won Best Burger and Fries in Durango last summer. We weren't even a year open at Mm. the Reader's Choice deal. And that was a huge deal because the the burger designation in this town is fiercely competitive. So we kind of swept it. And the, um, the people who held the contest came to us and said it was a complete landslide. And I have a lot of pride around that because we were so new, but it, was, it wasn't about me. It was about the meat. It's really good. And so I, yeah. it's just a lot of fun talking to people and getting that, you know, seeing their faces when they take that first bite and, you know, i it's, it never gets old.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what, then on the flip side of that, what's been the biggest challenge that you've, you've uh, had to overcome in the last couple of years?
1: You know the biggest challenges are really more about just simply business things. You know the just just being in the industry, running a restaurant, staffing and training, and consistency and um, communication. Just all the all those parts. I I feel like we're really solid on our intent and on um, and on our product, but um, just normal everyday business things,
0: which never go away in the restaurant business, but which um, never,
1: never go away.
0: Yeah. Well, how often? So you have three boys, and that you started this for you know uh, partially for that. Does your family eat at Grass Burger frequently?
1: Well, according to my youngest, not frequently enough. According <laughs> to my oldest. Too much, so (laughs) I don't know that we'll ever be able to balance that. We have one burger that we created uh, because of my youngest William. We called it the Durango Burger, but the secret name is actually the Will Burger, the Willie Burger, and that's your name too. And that is uh, it's a meat patty, our vegan black bean patty, and then the chipotle mayo on top. And his original version also had a couple slices of bacon. So um, that's his kind of. So they have a lot of input behind the scenes whether they know it or not.
0: That's great. That's a good story. That's really cool. Well, is there anything else you wanted to uh you would want to share, Jess, with folks? You know, folks that are listening to this or are, you know, your peers in the industry, and then of course a lot of folks that would want to get into the restaurant business and are wanting to learn from people that have done it successfully. Anything well, else you'd I want to share?
1: there I do have to give you guys a plug. I have to tell you that using Schedulefly has has been uh one of the decisions that we made made running our business so much easier. Like we love your product not only from I mean all the employees can access it all the time, but like being able to give messages and to staff about things that come up at once and we just started using your um the posting capability, like we just revised our manual and put it up on schedule fly for the staff to access. So it's been a great tool. I'm thrilled about it.
0: That's real nice of you. I appreciate that you didn't have to do that. Um, I know I didn't, but I, but
1: I. it's really been good.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that. I would imagine it would help when you talk about systems in, in a couple of locations, and it can be good to have something like that, I think. Yeah. In place. that's um, easy to deploy across you know multiple places. So, um, well, well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Uh, I appreciate your time very much. I know that you and Ed are busy and I'm frankly blown away uh, at just what y'all have accomplished so quickly. I'm excited about what you're doing. Uh, I hope you'll find your way to Charlotte one day. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> I I'm, really I'm, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, meanwhile, we're buying you know grass fed. Uh, well, luckily, we do have grass fed beef at our local grocery store. Um, so we've been a uh, we. I, I, I make burgers every Sunday with grass fed beef. Actually,
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, we've been using you we've know, been using
0: bison some too. Do you know much about bison? I, I started looking at that a little bit recently. That
1: that's another really good source of source of meat. I just got a call about yak meat recently too. That I. Hmm. I thought was interesting. You know, we uh we have a lot of small ranchers and producers in our region and down in Albuquerque and they don't they don't raise enough beef to be able to supply our restaurant, but they're great resources for yeah. families to be able to buy, you know, a quarter steer or um meat directly from them and freeze it. That's what we used to do before and that's a really nice way to support those ranchers.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, keep doing what you're doing, and thank you uh, for the time, and thank you for sharing your story. It's inspiring, and it's just wonderful to hear that y'all had the success you've had and and overcome some of the challenges on the way, and just that you're you're doing something that's certainly benefiting a lot of people. So I hope you continue to thrive and educate more and more folks about uh, the the health benefits and value of of eating that type of meat and. Um, I hope the business continues to do well. Thanks so much, and please tell Ed uh, thank you as well. We're stoked to serve you guys.
1: I will, and thank you. Well, thank you for your time and uh, and your interest, and all of your kind words. Really.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I'll let you get back to it, Jess. Uh, but I appreciate it very much. Have a good day.
1: Sounds good. You too. Okay. Bye.
0: Okay. Bye. Bye.